Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. <laughs> it's time to hey watch with us. Welcome to our show about the things we love, things we hate, and things we love to hate. Ooh. Ooh. And this week, I think we're talking about things we love? Yes. This is a things we love episode. Yes. (laughs) Ooh, this is juicy. I know. I like this. (laughs) Welcome to our show with a new introduction. We just tried something new and it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> so, this week, because we are who we are, we're obviously here to talk about the Eurovision movie. Yeah, buddy. And that, in it of itself, is a Quarantine Corner update, but... Huge one. We should also do a Quarantine Corner update. Yes, go for it. Oh, I have to go first. Oh, yeah. I had notes on mine. Oh, Wow. Mine's like a report. <laughs> I took wow. a lot of notes. Kelsey's over here doing fucking book reports in quarantine. <laughs> um, this is, it feels like it was a long time ago, but it wasn't. I kind of accidentally got a link to the Hulu upfronts. Yep. So I watched um, because I was curious about what it was because I do not tend to go to upfronts. And I always, in my mind, imagined them like a bad internal conference presentation, and it is a bad internal conference presentation. (laughs) (laughs) It was like to a T exactly what I thought it would be. So beautiful. A mix of like awkwardly requesting famous people to read like lines about like describing their upcoming hulu show and then some voiceover with some stats about why hulu is better than other streaming platforms and here's some data um so i took a lot of notes because i don't think i clicked on a button that said it was confidential so (laughs) i also don't think hulu's really (laughs) auditing us right now probably not no no Um, i don't think we're gonna get in trouble on any of the embargoes I don't think so. So their big uh, theme is green is good. Oh. (laughs) Because they are green colored. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Um, They had some stats about their subscriber base and they said they have 83 million ad supported viewers, which is a lot. And um they what else did i write that's actually useful oh they did this whole section for their upcoming shows for 2021 i think that's the year they were pitching um that was called let me tell you a story and then the famous person would be like let me tell you a story nope and then they'd tell you the plot of their show which was really bad Uh, it's like a hulu themed haunted quibby mm-hmm yeah didn't love it um it there wasn't anything that thrilling. Like they're still leading with the Handmaid's Tale, which bores me. Yep. Um, they're doing a a different Leanne Moriarty book than Big Little Lies, and they're doing it with Nicole Kidman, which is like a lot of crossover <laughs> with HBO that I'm confused by. That's aggressive. 
Yeah. Um, they're doing this weird show with Tony Hale that I didn't totally follow if it was, like, meant for children or adults. Um, our friend Kate McKinnon is doing the Elizabeth Holmes story. Um, what else? Nothing that exciting. There's something you know what's with- sad about it is that that reflects a pre-COVID oh. situation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the whole presentation was post-COVID, so it was all, like, people taking selfies of themselves, being like, let me tell you a story, which no. made it worse. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are doing one with Lamorne Morris that actually may be fortuitously timed, that you're calling woke right now. And he's, like, a comic book artist who like becomes woke basically he's like he's a black comic book artist and because he gets mistreated by the police in some fashion and then that like causes him to realize how fucked up things are because he's been living in a bubble of some sort which feels interesting mm-hmm. um that was the only show that like piqued my interest at all and then they pitched a lot about FX on Hulu as a premium brand. Oh. So FX is like the premium Hulu, which is interesting. Sure. Um, the worst thing was probably <laughs> um, they're trying to own October the way Hallmark owns Christmas, and they're calling it Huluween. Nope. And no one wants that. Nope. Not a single person <laughs> asked for that one. No, thank you. No. No. Nope. Um, so besides from some advertising pitch concepts, uh, that's pretty much my report from the Hulu Upfronts. <laughs> what a wild time. I don't think I need to watch that again. No. But those poor people who have to sit through it every year, like, God bless. I used to have to sit through a internal presentation like this when I was in the fitness apparel industry Mm. and it was to you'd spend like millions of dollars to make these flashy videos to pitch to the like foot lockers Mm -hmm. so that they would buy the inventory and it just felt so sad and this was exactly the same level of sad yep but that is unfortunate that was a very long quarantine quarantine. (laughs) lots of updates Lots of work being done in quarantine. Yes. Do you have any quarantine corner updates? Or is your update that you're not watching TV? I built a hop trellis. (laughs) (laughs) My quarantine (laughs) corner update is that I'm a gardener now. (laughs) Is my quarantine corner update that I watched all the Snapchat content? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I sent a lot of Snapchat content of the hops, but in fairness to me, I installed the entire thing by myself, so. I, it was impressive. I was also day drinking at the beach, so I didn't have a lot of responses. (laughs) Yeah, Kelsey could not be bothered. Safely, don't worry, I wasn't at the beach with crowds. No. But it was like 90 degrees, and I hauled two 80-pound buckets with 12-foot posts across my yard and put them into holes. Yeah. And then I dug eight holes and put hops in them. I hope your husband appreciated that. He... I think so. Also, my garden is very oh, happy. So, that's... Good! That. Yeah. That is exciting. My zucchinis have blossoms. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
That's very exciting. Yeah. I'm going to have vegetables. I think maybe my next quarantine corner update could just be um, an update on the general health and vitality of each of my vegetables. Mm-hmm. You could do a report style. I could do it report style. We'll just go like down that. the length of the beds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did tell you I had a teaser for next quarantine oh, yes. corner. Yes. Because I think it's going to rattle you. Uh-oh. I think I'm going to watch Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Ooh, uh-oh. 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 <laughs> I did tell Lauren that he needed to be ready on the third to download it for me. I thought you'd be surprised by that because I have a hard, I had a hard anti-Hamilton stance. I yeah. think because it just overtook the conversation in a way I didn't enjoy. Yeah, I mean, enjoy. I think, like, the fact that it's coming out in, like, film form feels accessible to me in a way that, like, I feel like a lot of people who were generally anti-Hamilton during that moment in the culture are now like, yeah, I'll watch it. I'll watch it so I, like, understand the references, but yeah. I also don't know that it is for me still. I don't think it's for you. I think it's, like, it's for sure the kind of show that, like, I would have loved to have been a student during. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of things I would have liked to have written about it, which I know is true of, like, everybody who was a student during that time and, like, every professor in any kind of critical... um discipline probably like wanted to kill themselves yeah and probably still does because i don't think hamilton is gone yet right um so yeah i think it's interesting and like i've never been mad about a the filming of a stage production i'm more interested like i thought because now it's been out for a few years and it's toured around like i could go see it but yeah. i think i'm more interested that it's the original cast because that's it for me like i yeah um, I don't know, like, I've seen plenty of Broadway shows that are in, like, their fourth or fifth sets of casts, so it's not like, like, I'm poor, I don't get to be a purist about right. these things. Right. Um, but I think there was something so, like, important about the original cast, and yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda, in so many cases, like, wrote so much of those songs for the original cast. Right. So I do think there's, like, something very nice about getting to have that preserved. Yeah. So. Yeah. Future quarantine corner. Future quarantine corner update. Definitely not a whole episode. <laughs> no. I don't I don't think we are the people you want commenting on musical theater. No. <laughs> like, I like musical theater, but Kelsey doesn't, and I just don't know that that's going to get us there. No. But I did see once, twice, and it changed my life. See, I've never seen that one, and everybody I know references it all the time. Well, the second time I saw it, it was, like, an older iteration, and it was not as good as the first time. I feel like somehow, in my brain, it's just, like, Rent plus Almost Famous. It's neither of those But I don't know where that... Don't bring Rent into this. I hate Rent. (laughs) Ew. <laughs> God. I feel like anybody who was not a theater kid during the years that we were in high school probably hates Rent. Yeah. yeah. Correct. There's there's a real demographic split there. Yeah. I heard someone say, maybe it was a comment in passing on a podcast or something, but I heard someone say the words at some point in the last week that somebody made the claim that Rent is the reason why our generation is tolerant. 
No. And I found that to be just as insulting as the people who say that Harry Potter is the reason that we're tolerant. (laughs) (laughs) I think I find that more insulting. Yeah, it's tough. And, like, this is a pro-Harry Potter podcast, so, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not even trying to argue that right now. It's just, like, yikes. Yikes. I think millennials had more going on than rent. (laughs) Perhaps. (laughs) Speaking of things that have a lot going on. Oh, my God. Speaking of musicals. Yeah. Yeah. Low key. Low key. So here is a thing that we love and are fairly qualified to talk to you about. Yeah. So if you'll recall back in May, we were schlonged, you may say, by (laughs) Eurovision 2020. And... We knew it was going to be a sham, but we didn't know how much of a sham it was going to be. And Mm -hmm. we basically scrapped our entire podcast episode for Eurovision because we were so disappointed. And we were like, well, maybe next year. And then Netflix served me an interstitial ad for Eurovision, (laughs) the Fire Saga. I don't even know what the title of this movie is. The formal title of of the Fire Saga is... Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. Incredible. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I feel like I'd heard rumblings of this movie happening like a, over a year ago, probably, and then forgotten about it. And I guess it was supposed to be released dur- during Eurovision this year. Yeah. And it got bumped back. But like, praise the Lord, we were given this gift. <laughs> we were given this gift. This was our reward for being good yeah. people who did quarantine and wear our masks in public. Yeah, if you don't wear a mask, you can't watch this. You don't movie. get to Netflix watch this won't movie. Let you. If you have ever <laughs> like had a moment in time where you have thought about any of the claims in Plandemic, then you don't get to watch this movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There should be, like, a series of questions that you have to go through in order to (laughs) unlock it. No kidding. No kidding. Do you want to talk about, tell, or share, wow, what this movie's about? Okay, so this movie, uh, starring Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. And Pierce Dad. And Pierce Dad. Pierce Dad was there, too. That's Pierce Brosnan, for those of you who don't know the canonical dads of the Hate Watch with us podcast. <laughs> we should make the triangle of dads, like the hierarchy. The triangle of dads. Well, that's especially important in this one, because in this one, Pierce Dad plays a treat dad, except in Iceland. <laughs> yeah. Treat dad, of course, being... The famous actor, Treat Williams, <laughs> of everyone fame. <laughs> and since we're on the subject, the third dad is Dennis Quaid. Dennis? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I don't talk about Quaid dad very often, so. No, because he's my one true dad. Yeah, he's Kelsey's dad. He's kind of like my weird stepdad. I just <laughs> inherited her when I got Kelsey. Yeah. Inherited him when I got Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> he was part of the package deal, is the yeah. point. He's also mm-hmm. since come out as a problematic fave, so. Yeah, we're not saying, we're not defending the dads, really. No, none of the dads are immune to criticism. And no. also, if the dads have been problematic recently, we'll talk about it at a different time. Yeah. 
That's not what we're here to talk about today. No, right now, this film is pure and unmarred, and we will enjoy it as it is. (laughs) So, Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams play these two small-town musicians in, like, bumfuck Iceland, and Lars, who's Will Ferrell's character, has always dreamed of competing in in Eurovision and winning it. That's, like, his life dream, and nothing in his entire life will matter until he wins Eurovision. Yeah. And Rachel McAdams is just, like, this flouncy little fairy girl who's in love with him, and so she just kind of, like, puts up with all of it, because she just likes him a lot. And... So and they have a band. They have a band, and they play at, like, their hometown <laughs> bar all the time and get heckled by all the townies at the bar. And Pierce's dad is, like, a hardened Icelandic fisherman who is very embarrassed by his, like, flamboyant Eurovision son. Um, so there's, like, childhood trauma and stuff involved. <laughs> <laughs> I so- wish we could all have a Eurovision son. <laughs> <laughs> May you be blessed with many Eurovision sons. (laughs) So, the thing that's funny about it is I do think if you had a Eurovision son, you'd be, like, almost as embarrassed as Pierce Dad, but not because of, like, heteronormativity, just because I don't think you're prepared for that level of... No, because I hate musical theater. ...joy in your house. So, um, so, uh, so Lars is through a series of shenanigans, like they uh, submit their song to Eurovision, and then the committee for Iceland is like trying to, like, a bunch of the jurors are trying to win Eurovision because it would bring like pride to Iceland and it'd be a really big deal. But then there's this one guy who's, like, the economy guy. Yeah. He's some kind of representative from the government. And he doesn't want Iceland to win the contest because whoever wins Eurovision has to host the next year's Eurovision. And he didn't want it to bankrupt Iceland because Iceland didn't have, like, the infrastructure to host that many people. Right. So... He concocts the whole plan to basically kill everybody. We didn't say at the top that there are spoilers. There's spoilers. Anyway, he concocts the plan <laughs> to kill everybody. And that just leaves Lars and Sigrid as the only contestants for Iceland. Mm-hmm. So then they have to go to Eurovision and compete, and shenanigans ensue. Yeah. Yes. Shenanigans and hijinks. And like so many Eurovision and friends and friends. Mm-hmm. We do some minor friendship. Yeah, uh, we do a lot of cameos. It's basically just like a parade of former Eurovision contestants. <laughs> That's more what I meant by friends. It's like it's like where's Waldo? Except for anybody who's watched Eurovision in the last ten years. Yeah, the only one I really had qualms with was the Portugal guy. Yeah. The second they started his song, I was like, no, 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 no. no. And then they end it and they, he makes his cameo and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> get out of here. Don't subject me to this again. No, nobody asked for that. No. I uh, think my favorite thing right off the bat where I knew this was going to just shine 
was in the like opening sequence, they show young Lars uh, watching Eurovision for the first time. And I was wrong. <laughs> this yeah. movie did have the musical stylings of ABBA. And Kelsey I knew and I had we were set up for success. debate about it. And I was like, <laughs> for sure, we are going to deal with the fact that ABBA won in 1974. Like, that is for sure going to happen in this film. And Kelsey was like, there's not going to be ABBA. Yep. I was, was wrong. We fucking open with Waterloo, which fucking <laughs> slaps. And they did it a second time, too. Yes. Which also slapped. Slapped less. Well, I just have a high standard for Waterloo. Yeah. Well, so what was funny about it is I had this moment where I don't love Waterloo most of the time. Like, I don't think it's an impressive song. But for some (laughs) reason, the way it hit me (laughs) in that moment, I texted Kelsey in all caps and I was like, fuck it. (laughs) This song (laughs) slaps. I recommend anyone out there who wants to watch this movie to reserve a full bottle of rosé yep and watch it correctly yes i had a three liter bag of rosé in my fridge and i had two glasses before i started watching and i had two glasses while watching and that feels correct i had like all but one glass out of a bottle while I was yes, watching. And I had a hangover the next day, and it was worth it. too. Same here. <laughs> yep. It was worth it. It was so worth it. Because that is, like, the flavor of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, I have some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, this is a Will Ferrell movie. Yes. And I don't love Will Ferrell. Yes. <laughs> We've discussed this at some we point. Have. I think Will Ferrell has made some interesting choices with Adam McKay as, like, executive producer on a lot of things recently, like Succession mm-hmm. and Booksmart. Like, those have been some interesting choices, and I feel like this is also an interesting choice. Like, what business do you have with the Eurovision Song Contest? But I'm not mad about it. <laughs> But my problem with Will Ferrell is that he's just a lot all the time. Yes. And he doesn't tend to take a backseat. But I am here to tell you, (laughs) the listeners, the star of this movie is not Will Ferrell. The star of this movie is the Eurovision song. Correct. Correct. This entire movie is just a love letter to Eurovision. I read several reviews of this film, and the critical take on it is fascinating it's overall Mm -hmm. positive but just like we'll we'll get into it because i have thoughts about this too but it's just like fascinating the ways in which people have chosen to nitpick at this and a lot of things people have said is that like the characterization is weak and there's not much plot and it's like no fuckers because the plot of it is literally just eurovision's cool huh right and it comes out the gate with that as the primary thesis at the beginning Mm -hmm. literally the only point of this film is like Eurovision. Right. <laughs> I I told my sister because she's watched Eurovision. I like I yeah. don't know how to, to pitch this to anyone who hasn't seen Eurovision. I really yeah. want to know like what that reaction would be like, but I told her you should watch this. And she sent me a screenshot of some review somewhere. She didn't I don't know where. And it was like two out of five stars. And I said, I didn't say it was gonna win an award. I said it was delightful. Yes. <laughs> Specifically yes. delightful. So is this time for me to drop my take on you? Yeah. 
Okay, because my take is basically that. There's all these reviews that were, like, going on and on about whether or not it's a good movie, and I think that misses the point. Yeah. I don't think... I don't think it matters in terms of film criticism for every single film to fall under good or bad. I think this film told us who it was from the get-go and only deserves to be judged on that. And we talk about that all the time. We're always coming on here talking about whether or not shows or movies know who they are. Mm -hmm. This movie came at you with the thesis and it showed you exactly who it was and it did exactly what it showed up to do. Yeah. They never set out to write a character story. They never set out to write the most convincing love story. Like, there, I saw a lot of reviews about the fact that it makes no sense that Secret is in love with Lars because she's out of his league. And it's like, that's just for the comedy of it. That's not the point. Yeah. It doesn't actually matter. I didn't even find this movie, like, particularly, like, laugh out loud funny. I didn't find it... Like, I think there were whole narrative bits that I missed because of the rosé. And it didn't matter because the Eurovision was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's just meant to be, like... I hate it when most critics say this, but it's meant to be a bit of a romp. It's just, like, like, we're gonna go play for two hours. It's Eurovision fanfiction. (laughs) It's Eurovision fanfiction. That's exactly what it is. Uh That's all it is. Yeah. Yep. And they... This movie was made in partnership with the EBU, and yes. Kirstie, I think you said it correctly when you said, I want to know no things about yeah. how this was made. Like, no details, nothing. I don't want any investigative journalism talking about the negotiations of the representatives from the EBU in the writer's room. Nope. I don't want to know anything about contracts. Like, I don't... We've speculated about the EBU using this film as part of its... Uh, marketing plan to American viewers because they yeah. wanted to tap into this market. Yeah. I don't want to know anything about that. Nope. I don't want to know anybody's marketing pitches. I don't want to know anything. I want nope. this stupid film about Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> to just live in a bubble. Yes. I just hearts. want it to be itself and to live its best life. As, like, this glorious little, like, gem of content that is that exists solely to make me happy and to revel in the glory of Eurovision. I think it, it did so many things right about Eurovision. I feel like we should talk about that in yeah. more yeah. depth. Starting with, I, they open pretty close to the beginning with some sort of Eurovision music video. Yep. And it's so spot on that you were like, oh, no, yeah, <laughs> they did this right. It really, like, tees everything off in a way that makes you feel like they understand what they're doing. Well, so it they don't reveal right away exactly, like, how big of a player this band is. So they start right. off with this video. And, and I was doing the calculus in my brain of whether or not we were going to have a story about Eurovision superstars or a story about underdogs. Like... At the time that we are shown that video, it could, very much could have gone either way because they yeah. nailed it so hard. So hard. And so I think like, from the few things that I did read, they got like legitimate writers, songwriters yes. to be involved in this. And we get 
a lot of other performances, even in bits and pieces, which is such a treat because mm-hmm. they're all good and they're all doing different things that we have seen from like past Eurovisions. So there was like the guy who was doing the same thing as like Spain or Portugal, or whatever, whoever yeah. that was. The ballad um, with singing their, guy. Yeah. And then there was the boy band and then there was like the, I don't know who else there was, the Russia guy yeah. who was like... I'm trying to think of who he reminds me of, but it's, like, a mashup of so many of them. Yeah. <laughs> they just did a good job of, like, hitting every flavor of Eurovision. They did a bunch of metal. Mm-hmm. They did, like, a few different kinds of, like, scary European metal. Yeah. And they all hit... Because, like, we're not that in tune, you and I, with, like, Euro pop Yes. Slash Euro trash. <laughs> that is, like the songs of Eurovision. So, like, if you played me one of those songs, I couldn't distinguish it from a real Eurovision song. So we were, like, talking while we were watching it about, like, where we would rank them. Yeah. (laughs) And it was, like, they just did everything right. And I absolutely want, like, all of the footage that was left on the cutting room floor of, like, the rest Mm -hmm. of those performances. Like, the DVD extra that I want is the music (laughs) video for each of the songs that they had to make up throughout yes. the film is it they're just so fucking good like that's they're the so Eurovision good. 2020 that we deserved yes yes I also think they got the right amount of like kind of making fun of themselves a little bit but also um especially like with all the behind the scenes stuff like showing how it's like such a shit show yep and then like everyone's just wasted all the time and it means like the Olympics right like yeah <laughs> um I think they did a good job of that in, in the way that, like, I don't ever want to see a real behind-the-scenes of Eurovision, nope. but this was great. <laughs> no. And it was, a, it was like, a good learning experience for me to, like, to think just enough about the logistics of all of it without, yep. like, ruining the magic. And, mm-hmm. like, I, I learned a couple tips. Like, I didn't realize until maybe I was reading a review related to this movie or something, but something about the movie came up, and uh, there's a limit to how many performers can be on stage at a time. And all Eurovision songs have to be three minutes or less. I didn't know that. I didn't, like, there's, like, a couple tidbits that I didn't know, so, like, that's fun. But, like, what it it nailed is that so much of what is great about Eurovision is just, like, the magic and the majesty Mm -hmm. of the whole thing. Like, it's just this, because it is, like, so hyper-produced, it's, like mythical yeah basically and i think they were able to capture even when they did sort of the behind the scenes bits um that feeling of it being just kind of this big mysterious joyful magical mythical beast yeah i think so should we talk about the song that slapped the most yep so without giving plot away I would say, and you called this, if you've seen music and lyrics, you may see where this movie goes. Yep. Uh, from, like, 100 miles away, but that's okay. Uh, it was well-earned, I would say. Yeah. It was as earned as it needed to be. Yes. <laughs> but they perform a song at Eurovision, and this movie finds the correct and appropriate way to handle bringing this group of people into the Eurovision, like, final. 
in a way that's very convenient <laughs> for plot. But they perform a song. And Kirstie and I were like, this fucking slaps. This song <laughs> fucking slaps. And has one of my favorite lines of lyric, like, <laughs> ever. <laughs> so funny. It's so good. It's like a genuinely good song. Yeah, I watched it again today, and I got, like, goosebumps because yes. it's so good. It gave me chills. <laughs> I also have watched it twice, and it gave me chills both times. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's beautiful, and mm-hmm. they do some symbolism, mm-hmm. which is very appreciated. Yep. And, um, I, I don't know, like... For as little as they did in terms of character development stuff, I think the way that they played that song felt well-earned. And then they also did some Eurovision-style performance art. Yeah. So it was just like a a very good combination (laughs) of all of the right things. Yes. And it was definitely, like, would have been a top five of a real Eurovision, I think, for me. Oh, hell yeah. They would have gotten my... Maybe my 12 points, probably my 10, depending on who else performed that year. Like, I don't think this movie had any business having a song that good in it. No, absolutely not. I know music and lyrics may be a tough topic at this time because people have some feelings about the music in that movie. The music in that movie, I don't think is better than the movie. (laughs) Correct. That is fair. (laughs) The music in that movie slaps in a certain way, and it is an earworm in a way that I can't deal with most of the time. It did what it intended to do within the context of the exact story they were trying to tell in that movie. Correct. And, like, Hugh Grant can only do something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But this movie, like, Will Ferrell has no business being (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, clearly Rachel McAdams is not singing. Oh, you know and what I learned? She actually sang a higher ratio of each song than I thought she did. So really? So she has vocals in every single song. The only and they s- mixed it with someone else? Yeah, they have, um, they have a professional singer. And yeah, yeah, they just sort of do audio magic and mm-hmm. blend their voices together. So the um, most of the time they use the professional singer's voice for, like, the harder notes. Yeah. But, like, Rachel McAdams gets to sing, like, the whole beginning mm-hmm. of that song. Um, and It's a good the song. On- the only song she did completely solo is the scene where she's composing that song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all her. Hmm. Well, good for her. Good for her. So, like, good job, Rachel McAdams. But also, like, why is Rachel McAdams here? Like, no one... (laughs) While I don't want to know anything about this movie, I also want to know, like, who has any business being here? I know. I have a thousand questions. One of the things that is, like, so joyful about this movie is just watching Rachel McAdams have so much fucking fun. Mm -hmm. Like, she's just, like, a little, like ray of sunshine just living her best goddamn life for literally no reason no like why like do these people have like do they like eurovision like right that's my question (laughs) like 
It's is this their fan fiction too? I don't know. <laughs> it's just so funny. Like I think if you and I were at a you know like a some sort of studio and were presented this pitch for the Eurovision movie, we'd be like shitting our pants so excited. Yep. But is that the experience of everyone involved in this movie? Like is that- <laughs> it feels like it. Like I have to imagine that it was just because like the end product is so sincere and so earnest and just like so yeah. deeply in love with this institution. Yeah. That I can't imagine that anybody close to the production looked at the pitch and was like, Yeah, I mean it's a movie. We can make that. <laughs> no. You know? <laughs> Unless the EBU just came at them with money, but do they but have even that? then like I don't know. It because as you've said a couple times, like, they had no business going this hard. There is no. a version of this movie that's the music and lyrics version, where yes, it's like correct. Eurovision is kind of this background thing, or it's like mm-hmm. a knockoff equivalent of Eurovision, and the audience mm-hmm. knows that's what they're talking about. And it's sort of about, like, more of the behind-the-scenes drama, and, like, people right. sing sometimes, but, like, the songs aren't really the focal point. Right. But here it's like... It, like, the whole song-along scene, which oh is, like, god. in less than a week, already infamous on the internet. It is? Yeah. Oh, my god. I've seen oh. it referenced in so many different places on Twitter. <laughs> my corner of Twitter has not really discovered this movie yet. Shocking. Um, and, well, <laughs> shockingly, the corner, the parts of my corner of Twitter that have discovered it are not necessarily the parts of my Twitter that care about Eurovision. That's wild. So there's just, like, a lot going on. But, um... The whole point of that scene, it has nothing to do with competing at Eurovision. It has nothing to do with the band. It's literally just like, let's have a really big fucking colorful like club scene where everyone gets to sing a medley. With like all of the Eurovision alums. Yeah, it's like just about (laughs) like the joy of like pop music and international friendship. (laughs) (laughs) That was an expensive scene. Oh, yeah. And they didn't have to do it. Mm-mm. But they, like, went out of their way to not only do it, but do it the fucking most. I think that's, like, the story of this movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. They also, like, not even just re- recreated Eurovision, but they filmed it during Eurovision two yes. years ago or last year. Like, Yeah, yeah. they used the Tel Aviv stage. Yeah. They weren't fucking around. Like, No. They wanted the real shit. Yep. I do wish Rachel McAdams had gotten up on one of those Australia, like, poles uh, yeah. that swung around. Although they brought out the hamster wheel. <sighs> that was funny, too. That was great. So much of this movie is, like, Eurovision Insider Baseball, too. Like, For sure. talking about how, like, the UK will never host a, <laughs> a final and, like, all this stuff. There's actually a whole conspiracy theory related to that, um, because... Under normal circumstances, there's no reason why Edinburgh would get to host. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the theory is that Australia had actually won the year before because the EBU has already put it out that if Australia wins, they don't get to host. Ooh. So the thinking is that... Like so one, Scotland gets one? <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, at one point, the thought was that Germany would become, like, the partner country. Mm-hmm. But that if Germany turned it down, then it would go to the UK. Well, if you want to talk about Commonwealth countries, it should go to the UK. Right, right. 
Yeah, I don't know. This thing didn't go into detail on the theory, but the first thing that I was reading said that Germany would get like right of first refusal, basically. So there must wild. be like an an alliance there somehow. So wild. Yeah. I really uh, hadn't thought until we watched this about how like some countries must try to not win. Yes. Because it, it reminded me of all the conversations a couple years ago when Boston was, like, kind of trying to bid for the Olympics. And everyone yep. was like, we don't have the infrastructure for the Olympics. Yep. And then it was sort of like, never mind, let's not do the Olympics. I didn't realize that same thing would be at play for Eurovision, but of course it is. Yeah, I mean, they build the arena, and then they build the Eurovision, like, village. I can't remember what they call it. Um and I think I read somewhere that they host, like, half a million people or something. There's no way they don't use an existing arena. I mean, they, like, they still have to, like, do stuff. They fit it out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But then, like, they, well, but then they still have to, commitment. like, build the village right. around it, which is, like, a sure. whole thing. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I definitely think, like, it is a big deal <laughs> for certain countries. Right. <laughs> I would be interested to know how people in Iceland would feel about that particular representation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Iceland is usually a country that sends in, like, a small boy who has, like, a sad song. They also do metal a lot. Do they? They've done metal before, for sure. I thought they had a banger, like, two years ago. I'm gonna have to look up, like, I'm doing it now. (laughs) Eurovision songs. Oh, they had something weird. You might be right. They came second in 1999. Hot diggity. And 2009. Whoa. The nines are good years for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. By love, like just the little inside look into like the country jury, because like every country has their jury of five. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, they poke a little bit at something we've talked a lot about during Eurovision, which is, like, all of the secret alliances between all the countries and how, like, the geopolitical landscape (laughs) of Europe, like, creeps into Eurovision. Right. (laughs) It's, it's, yeah. It's It's great. It's so good. I did love that, like, when they do the country calls... Like, they would show the guy just walking back into the room with everyone else, and yep. he's like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> he's like, oh, shit, what's that? <laughs> I mean, our TLDR for this movie is, like, just drink wine and watch it. Yeah, just watch it. I think, like, mm-hmm. don't expect much from it. Like, not every movie that you sit down and watch has to be an Oscar contender. I do have a question for you. Sure. Should this movie be someone's introduction to Eurovision? Um, I think only if they have a first degree connection to somebody who loves Eurovision. Mm. I mean, I don't think it's going to turn you off from Eurovision. I just think it's not going to... I don't think this is going to be the thing that, like, makes you want to watch Eurovision. I think the only thing that can make you want to watch Eurovision is Eurovision. Yeah. I like, feel like this movie would be harder to watch for people who had no context. I just think most of it wouldn't land. Right, right. Because it's such a hyper-specific subculture. Yeah. 
And really, the only way to get familiar with it is through immersion. Yeah. Like, you really just have to dive in feet mm-hmm. first and, like, watch an entire contest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my dream is that this paves the way for Netflix to actually broadcast it. Yep. I don't necessarily foresee that happening for a number of reasons, but... I'm deeply, deeply concerned about what the broadcasting partner in the United States is going to be next year. Well, they didn't have one for the past two years. Right. Thus the stress. Yeah, but we got YouTube. We're fine. Yeah, it's true. I liked it slightly better when Logo was in charge of it. Because we had an actual host. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some benefit to having a host. Would we want Will Ferrell as the host? Isn't that what you were talking about? I definitely would like (laughs) some kind of Will Ferrell-related cameo somewhere in Eurovision, whether it's through a hosting scenario or, Mm. like, I mean, what if they let him, like, do one of the halftime bits? (laughs) That would be good, actually. Like, how great would it be if they just got Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell on there to do the song in between acts? I think it's going to depend on how this movie plays in Europe. Like, I yeah. can't tell how much this was made for the U.S. Netflix audience versus the European audience. And if it was made for the European audience, I could see that happening. Well, it was originally for, like, actual theatrical release. Sure. So, in that but sense... But that could be either, still. Yeah, I mean, in that sense, it would have... In order for a studio to greenlight it, it would have had to have had some play in other countries. Right. Although I would guess that they would probably just be banking on um, Europe's overall investment in Eurovision as a concept. Right. Um, right. To sell the tickets for them. Yeah. So, yeah. But you never know. It's hard it to know. Happen. But on the flip side, the EBU did help make this movie. So right. Right. they do have a foot in the door in that sense. Mm-hmm. That'd be wild. It would be wild. I did learn as I was preparing for this episode that there was a Will Ferrell live show for the royal wedding, and it's no longer on HBO, <laughs> and I'm truly upset about it because <laughs> that would have been a great um, sort of like research model to look at yep. in preparation for a Eurovision host, first of all. Yep. And like that's exactly content made for me, and yes. I'm upset that it's not available to me anymore. So I think we if can you find out it for you know, somewhere. Yeah, we need your husband. Yeah. Because no means I have are working. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll try to find it for you somewhere. Mm. What I will say, unlike as much as it's been established on this podcast that Will Ferrell's not Kelsey's favorite, it's also been established on this podcast that I have a long history with Will Ferrell. You do. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's like kind of a whole thing, but it's fine. Anyway, I have a certain fondness for Will Ferrell. And I think like the thing that works here that I like if you want to talk about like culture building within an individual film that he like really brings to this is just his pure shamelessness mm-hmm. like that is a dude who has never made a fool of himself a day in his life because he has no shame right he could not be embarrassed <laughs> he's just like willing to do shit yeah and it's great mm-hmm. it's absolutely the commitment that this movie needed Oh, yeah. You couldn't have gone halfway with this movie. And I think if you, like, he was at the center of this whole film. Um, And so I think, like, if 
anyone else had been like on the production team who didn't bring that kind of shamelessness to it like there was any restraint anywhere in the production yeah it wouldn't be what it is no it's a very like top down (laughs) (laughs) attitude that's present yeah i agree i also feel like we should shout out before we quit here um dan stevens who did the russia guy yes because he also committed hard Yes. For a man who I've seen mostly in Downton Abbey <laughs> being very stiff. <laughs> that is I a man like, who can boy, do both. That was that was a commitment. Yes. He was so good. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the hell out of that man. Yeah. It was great. Incredible performance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just incredibly consistent and incredibly joyful and just an absolute delight. Yeah. So if you've ever come to our podcast because of Eurovision, continue to go right on to Netflix and watch Eurovision. I also think if you've ever trusted us about anything silly or anything nice, then you should trust us on this one, too. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Even though there's, like, casual domestic terrorism. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. That um, really fucking caught me off guard. <laughs> I think it just showed how much they were willing to commit to the bit. Yeah, no kidding. Talk about yeah. commitment. Yikes. Whew. Anyway, on that note... <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you want to tell us what song you think slapped the most in Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. <laughs> love it, love it, you love got it. There. Um, you should tell us on Twitter at Hate Watch With Us. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell us there. You can email us at hatewatchwithus at gmail.com. You can also click the feedback button on our website, hatewatchwithus.com, and you can tell us there. Yeah. We are also members of the Thought Bubble Audio Network. They are a network of podcasts, and we have been trying to convince all of them to watch Eurovision for years, and (laughs) they have not (laughs) indulged us yet. Yeah. Um, I think this year was supposed to be the year that Frank finally gave in, wasn't it? Yeah, but it got canceled, so... But then it got canceled. So, if you want to tell any and all of the hosts of Thought Bubble Audio Podcasts that they should be watching Eurovision this year, (laughs) slash the Eurovision movie, you can find them over at thoughtbubbleaudio.com, thoughtbubbleaudio at gmail.com. They have a Twitter, thoughtbubbleaudio.fm. There it is. <laughs> you did it! I sometimes forget formatting, because it's too many websites, and everything it is, is hard. It's all different. Um, and I did it in a different order than usual. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they also have a Patreon, and you can search for them, and or choose to donate money to the links in our episode description. Yeah. Yeah. So... Go watch Eurovision. Go watch Eurovision. It'll make you so happy. It'll so make you so happy. Happy. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.